Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode 235. Speaking clearly for the first time ever. It's like let's learn English with box cutters, isn't it? My name is Josh Canal. Me nombre is Josh Canal. To my left. <laughs> oh, um, sorry, Izquierda. <laughs> is, or was that right? No, it is Izquierda. Is, izquierda. <laughs> to my left. We'll do that a bit again. Yeah. Go. To my left. Izquierda. Is John Richards. It's Juan Richards. <laughs> Ricardos. Hola, listener. Hola, escucha. Hello, listener. I own a scooter. I own a scooter. <laughs> and to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. And I can see Brent, and I can see David, and I can see Lisa, and I can see you too. She can always see me. Sorry, did I say Brett Cropley? I meant Miss Helena. That's I'm, what he was sounding like at the start for me. I'm bewildered. Uh, after, that's because, after, after that's you because getting knocked out by Mars before, yeah. I, I would have thought you'd be, oh, because Perth. You he, didn't have it, did you? Didn't, is this, a, didn't is this have an Eastern it? States kids no. thing? Romper room. Aware of. Right. Romper room, you never had it. No. Never America had it. Had it. Oh. All of us p- real people in Australia had it. No Perth. I had no idea that we ever had a romper room. There was an Australian yeah. romper room. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's uh, yeah, an Australian and opera starring Miss Helena, right. and and there are clips on YouTube of Danny Lick on. Really? Opera yeah, opera Danny Lick was on, as oh. well as Jazz Lich Della. Gets better and better. Yeah, yeah. I was never on it, and she very rarely said Josh because back then Josh wasn't a popular name. I was too Jewish. <laughs> no, <laughs> not even. Not many Jews <laughs> called Josh back then. What do you think Helena is? <laughs> hey, Toby Ziegler in uh, the H- West Helena? Wing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a common Jewish lady name, isn't it? Oh, it's Helen is a Greek name. So I'm re-watching the West Wing. I'm up to season three and they've just okay. given the subpoenas. Yeah, spoiler. And um, Toby Ziegler. It's actually Toby. It's not short for Tobias. I was going to be oh. short for something. It's oh, not. So it's short it's for Tobias? It's just Toby. Right. His middle name Zachary. We've all learned a little something there. We really have. Zachary as opposed to Zachariah. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Now, now you've put a doubt in my head, <laughs> properly. Now that totally insignificant fact is going to worry me. In case you haven't worked out by now, Box Cutters is all about television. It's all about uh, possibly incorrect memories of television. <laughs> but all about television nonetheless. We've got a cracker show for you this week. An absolute cracker. Uh, we have... You, you've probably seen the coverage in the media already. P- probably. <laughs> probably. That's why we held off on it. Yeah, because Josh has decided to be the real Josh from now on. No no more of the kind of Photoshop Josh we've been seeing in the Australian Women's Weekly. No, he's coming out now and being, <laughs> being true to himself and what he really feels. I'm no longer going to talk like this. <laughs> I'm now going to talk like I always did. She doesn't talk like that. She doesn't judge his head. That's the important she, she does. That's, that's how all our prime ministers have talked, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's uncanny. Yeah, yeah. So, Ladies and gentlemen, to... Edmund Gorton. Hi. Welcome <laughs> to our country. Pig on Bob Menzies. I did but see her passing by, but I will love her till, till I da- die. Till the day I die. Oh, oh you want to hear my goff? Yes. Go on, go on. Long may we say, God save the Queen. <laughs> But nothing can save the Governor General. <laughs> it's uncanny. Isn't it great? It's like I'm there. Billy yeah. McMahon. <laughs> no one can do Billy McMahon. It's impossible. <laughs> wait, wait. My son used to be engaged to Danny Minogue. 
Huh? So political and incisive. <laughs> and incisive. <laughs> That's how much I know about Billy McMahon. <laughs> Billy uh, Hughes on leaving the Liberal Party. See, Billy McMahon, I would have gone, my wife is wearing a dress with a slit up the side. Controversial. Controversial. That, that's really all I know about You want me to do B- Billy Hughes? Yep. Uh, I really like cricket. <laughs> Not <laughs> Howard. <laughs> oh, no, no. How, Howard, Howard was, uh, was, you can watch me play cricket. <laughs> yes. Billy Hughes had a big He's, hit with no ha- yeah. bad habits, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't help <laughs> myself. Bad, bad habits. habits. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, every Australian Prime Minister from Edmund Barton on. It's true. Mm. It's true. This Deacon, show... Please get to the rest of the show. Al- Alfred Deacon. Alfred Deacon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. John Curtin. What? Sorry. Deacon. Alfred Curtin and, and John Deacon. <laughs> <laughs> Making I can, out. I can do John Deeks. They're in... <laughs> well, that, that was half a queen, wasn't it? <laughs> Two half of queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh... And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 235. I want to say thanks to our guests, Will Anderson, Kevin Clash, and Leslie Carrera-Rudolph. Uh, Kevin Clash and Leslie Carrera-Rudolph, you might also know as uh, the performers of Elmo and Abby Cadabby. They were great. Thanks very much to them for coming along. Mm. Uh, thanks very much for, to Tamara Jenkins for uh, organising that. You can catch Will Anderson on uh, The Gruen Nation Wednesday nights, 9 o'clock on ABC. Every until Wednesday next, for the next three weeks. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I am going to continue to be <laughs> Brett Cropley for at least the length of this show. Now, we'll just go all crazy memento now and do it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's kick things off with the Box Cutters news. I should have said Alan Sorkin because Memento obviously a film reference, but Alan Sorkin did a lot of kind of yeah reverse time periods. Do you want to hear my Aaron Sorkin? Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, (laughs) sorry, I laughed. I missed it. (laughs) Can we rewind? (laughs) News. Do some news. (laughs) I have to say we have asked. Stephen Conroy to come onto this show a number of times. I've called his office uh, and been told that I would get a phone call back. I have uh, emailed a number of times. I've called a number of times. Each time, I haven't been told no. <laughs> so we're still trying to get uh, Stephen Conroy back, but... Uh, I think she'd dress up in a large novelty you know what, suit of something. You know what happened office. over the week? What? Coonan was back. Really? She was on on she was on the radio and she was horrible. <laughs> it just took me back to Ah, find the sky, find the sky. Uh, apparently, uh, last week Senator Conroy met with senior television executives to provide a background briefing. Quote: mm-hmm. uh, This is according to the Age, a background briefing on the government's planned changes to the anti-siphoning laws. It's interesting that they spell siphoning with an I, and I spell it with a Y. I spell mm. it with a Y. I spell mm. it with a Y. Mm. We're right. Okay. Anyway, so he's meeting with a P. Uh, he, he's meeting with senior television. Exec- yes, I spell it with a P as well. A silent <laughs> I, P at the start. I used two Fs, but they're those strange kind of italicized ones you get in like 18th century manuscripts. Yes. Oh, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah. Germ, a German F. Essen. Yeah, is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Essen. Um, Essen. Yeah. I spell it with a silent P. 
at the beginning, so a lot of people misread it as panty siphoning laws. <laughs> the uh, we're like weirdly political and juvenile at the same time. It's a really odd mix. So he he met with uh, television executives, uh, senior television executives, to provide a background briefing on the uh, on the changes to the anti siphoning laws. But he still won't meet with us to talk about the anti siphoning laws, huh? Stick that in your pants, Conroy. Huh? I got you. Bam! Come pow. talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about. Uh, now, if you're, if you're unaware of the anti-siphoning laws, you haven't been listening to box cutters for the past five years. Uh, they are the laws that stop, uh, that, that essentially stop free-to-air channels from showing uh, sport that should be free, according to the government. Uh, no, hang on. They stop paid channels. No, and free-to-air channels. Free-to-air channels and paid channels from showing uh, sport that, according to the government, should be free to all people on the... Uh, they should only be available on the three main commercial networks. And not the ABC. Well, not the not the extra channels. So Channel 9 can't show the rugby on Go, right. for example. Uh, SBS had to get special dispensation to show uh, World Cup soccer on their extra channels. Uh, <coughs> channel 7, Channel 10 can't show AFL on their extra channels, mm-hmm. including 1HD, which is sport a channel. sport channel. Uh, and it's also designed... Initially, it was designed to stop uh, Foxtel getting their grubby hands on sport that people wanted to watch for free because they thought it was their birthright or something. Don't start the argument <laughs> again. Uh, so that's that's what the anti-siphoning laws are... Uh, all about uh, the minister uh, met with network people last week. Uh, he's said to have given the quote best indication yet that rights holders will be able to broadcast some first run sport on free to air digital stations. It's on the multi channel. On the multi channels. They call them digital stations here, but really on the extra channels uh, under changes to the anti siphoning regulations. So anything beyond their, their, their number one. Oh, I guess ten is one. So no, that it's so hard to define now. Yeah, now that now that you got seven one seven two seven. I know. So why not just allow sport to be available to everyone, and then everyone's happy? Uh, anyway, so that's that's one bit of. Well, Foxtel wouldn't be happy. News in uh, uh, in more. In more kind of irrelevant news, uh, B Sky B are going to be launching a three D channel. Uh, on Ooh. October 1st. <laughs> I know. So, oh, B Sky B, so you're talking UK In Sky. the UK. Okay. October 1st, did you say? Yes. So presumably that the, uh, the the 3D bubble will burst on September the you know, 30th or something. Pro- probably. Probably. That is my birthday, though. So maybe Rupert Murdoch is, uh, is planning on surprising me with a free set of 3D glasses or something. Right. Maybe. Yeah. That's possible. It's like Rupert Murdoch's really there. He can, is real. You can touch him. He is real. My friends saw him at Maya. Sat on his knee. Had a photo <laughs> taken. I'd like a yacht, please, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> was that on the rooftop garden? Yeah, why not? Do you remember that? I do remember that. They had a massive slide. It was excellent. You wouldn't remember that because they didn't have that in Perth. <laughs> they didn't have John. Perth. Well, they still had that when I first got here. They, they didn't they have shops garden. in Perth, they did they? they? They had, they had one. It was called Bowen's. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah. Got bought out by Maya. Had everything. <laughs> yeah. 
in in and I swear this is this is really truly true news this week. Steve Carell still leaving the office. Still, still. How many weeks has that been now? Four. And he's still leaving the office. Yes. What has there been another statement? Just I'm really, really leaving the office. Is this? It's not just negotiations for NBC have now confirmed that he's leaving the office. So it's not. It's not been enough that he's been saying he's leaving the office for the last four (laughs) weeks. NBC now has said that he's leaving the office. It's it's layers of bureaucracy. I tell you. I'm dealing with it at work. Um, is any word on, on uh, confirmation that Dwight is going to take over as boss? Uh, Michael Scott will end when his contract exp- uh No. No? No, because... That's, that's something I've, I've heard as a suggestion. I'm not uh, sure it'll work. Uh, this, uh, so this is from Variety. Yeah. Uh, whether Michael Scott's job will be filled by a promotion from within or an outside hire is under discussion. You mean they haven't written the story yet? They didn't write the story in the last four weeks, Variety? I can't even believe that's, that's part of the news item. What is the story going to be? It's ridiculous. When does it run out? Next year. 2011. <laughs> so they haven't written 2012 storylines yet? No. Well, given Oprah Slack. was making big announcements about leaving, you know, in 2023 or whatever it was. That's when she's going back to her home planet. <laughs> Oprelia. <laughs> fantastic place. She's going to do it live on television, though. It'll be cool. Uh, in, uh, in possibly stunt casting news, which we love. What's stunt casting? Stunt casting. So casting as a stunt. So casting in order okay. to get people talking about your show rather than... Like when you put yep. Debbie Gibson and Tiffany into a film together. I'd watch that. Did that happen? Yeah, yeah, it's happening now. Um, uh, it's the sequel to Mega Shark versus uh, Killer Octopus. Eagle versus Shark. Oh. No, you know there was that film called. So it's called Mega Shark versus oh, Octopus. Oh, Sci-Fi Channel are doing it. Anyway, there's a sequel they're making, and it's got Tiffany and Debbie Gibson in it, and Mrs. Landingham from The West Wing, which is why I know about this because I was curious what, it, her, what her career had been doing. Because I saw Tiffany in uh, a clip from a Sci-Fi Channel uh, original movie. Yeah, Sci-Fi yeah. Channel original, and. Uh, and she was terrible. Yeah, that'd be it. She was yeah, yeah. absolutely well, terrible. Sequels to it now. She was on Choose Your Own Adventure, wasn't she? It's, it's great what Lawrence Luling has been able to do to people's career. She was. Actually, yeah. was it Tiffany in that one? Yeah, teaching how to write songs. Mm. Yeah. And she's in that fantastic documentary about stalkers called I Think We're Alone Now, which was at the film festival <laughs> really? uh, last year, the year before. It's brilliant. You should try and find it. That's all film, though, which is not television related. No, you know what is television related? What? I had a massive crush on Tiffany. In uh, year seven, year eight, mm-hmm. massive crush. Now, not so much. Uh, for me, uh, the other chick out of the Bengals, Suzanne Hoffs. Yes. Oh yeah, Suzanne Hoffs as well. Yeah. But Tiffany more so because she was more. Because really? she's only like, you know, like more four or five age. years. Well, she was only sixteen at the time, and I was thirteen. So Amy was, Grant. Do you have a uh, hot for her? No. No. Uh, and uh, take this man away from. Um, no, Tiffany. Absolute hots for for Tiffany, and then. You know when I lost the hots for Tiffany? When? When I saw her act in that sci-fi... <laughs> yeah, original. Original. <laughs> it, was so, it was so terrible, it made me unattracted to a person. That's sad. Isn't it horrible? That is sad. Uh, so, in some stunt casting news, Susan Olsen is going to uh, play a character in uh, The Young and the Restless. Susan Olsen. Was she in Full House? No. She was Cindy Brady. Oh, <sighs> Yeah. Yeah, it was ringing a bell. I was trying to work yeah. out. Yeah. She's the lesser known, much older Olsen twin. 
yeah. season. <laughs> so she's playing. So she was Sydney Brady. Now she's playing a, a transvestite hooker or something. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Liza Morton. She's the owner of a preschool where JT and Victoria, where their son Reed goes. I've already forgotten what show we're talking about. Young and the Restless. So oh, okay. I, Susan, yeah. Susan Olsen's going to be in Young and Restless. Didn't that get axed? No. Which one got axed? It's next? on W. Okay. Ah, oh, two of them got, I think, As the World Turns right. and one other. Look at some people. I love yeah. that one. Look at some people. Anyway, that Young and the Restless news uh, is, is especially for uh, Kathy James, uh, who loves the soap operas. So I'm hoping she loves Weiner. What? Maybe she also loves... Uh, Oh, she's Maybe she does. She's the one who called in, told us all about Erica Kane, mm. which her. who I only know about because it's an excellent Erjava Kill song. Look it up; it is. <laughs> uh, and uh, and in other stunt casting news, Luke Perry and Jason Priestley have been reunited for a uh, a Hallmark Movie Channel original, Human Centipede Two. <laughs> There was a one? <laughs> yeah. Have you not been keeping really? up with oh. human centipede? Oh, oh right. no. Just no. <laughs> no. Sorry. I don't want to have to explain. Yeah. No. Google it later. Yeah, later. And Much kids, later. never Google <laughs> never it Google at all. Never Google these words together. That's, that's not something like, like that, that Tremors type thing. No. With, no. With Max no. Headroom in Can it? we stop no. talking about it? <laughs> Matt Frewer, I think, is... Uh, was that who played Max Headroom? Yeah. And Matt Frewer. And like he was this, this wacko uh, kind of militant... Dude that that saved everybody Kevin from Bacon. the things coming through under Tremors. the Kevin Bacon was also in Tremors. Not not the movie. There was a TV series uh, that was similar to it. Oh, um, not, Matt Frewer Matt also uh, played the excellent Pestilence in the most recent series of Supernatural. Right. Ah, he was excellent. Uh, Good Night for Justice is a, a, a Hallmark Movie Channel original uh, that is going to be produced by Luke Perry and directed by Jason Priestley, and it's a western. Based on an idea by Luke Perry, <laughs> who apparently uh, wanted it as a series of three movies. So are they acting as well together? They are going to be acting in it, producing it, directing it. It's I, got quality written all I over it. I can't see how anything could go wrong. Nothing, nothing can go wrong. Well, see, the perfect topper would be to get Shannon Doherty involved. Uh, yeah. That's not the perfect topper for any show. <laughs> Maybe for a Scream Tactics reunion. Or Human Centipede 3. <laughs> she plays all the parts herself. It's, it's the split screen thing. It's amazing. It's, amazing. it's really <laughs> such a slow news week, isn't it's it? It's actually Human Centipede 3D. <laughs> oh, no. Coming at you. Oh, no. Uh, hey, oh, hey no. stop. We're just confusing Brett Moore. No. Uh, so, yeah, look out for that. Straight to DVD in Australia, no doubt. Good night for justice. Uh, I might I be on go. I can't. I can't wait. I, I think it's going to be like amazing train crash television. Worse, worse than Tiffany starring in a sci-fi original production. It's going to be. It's going to be absolutely horrible. And that is the. I'm the only one who tried to do any research. Box cutters news. Hi, this is Jim Shembury from the Age newspaper. Just telling you all to listen to box cutters if it's the last thing you do. Josh, Brett, and John are the most informed, entertaining, funniest guys you'll ever hear over a pod. I still don't know what podcasting is, but apparently if you go onto the ARPANET, you can, you can get it. The ARPANET. Oh, the internet. I'm sorry. That was the old word for it. Yes. Box cutters. Listen up. It's great. It's been a little over a year, so it's time. 
about bloody time to welcome back to the box cutters telephone the wonderful will anderson now from the gruen nation Oh, it's true, yeah. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm kind of like Haley's Comet. Not quite as a regular, <laughs> but like, you know, I'm the human equivalent of Haley's Comet. About once a year, you can see me on your show. I, I, do, I do like that. It's about once a year, I do like to go outside uh, with the kids and, uh, and everybody from the Astrology Society and, uh, and point at Will Anderson. Yeah, although you're not allowed to look, to look at me directly. You've got to actually get a little bit piece of paper <laughs> and put a pinhole in it. <laughs> oh, you've trumped me, Will. You've tried, yeah. and that's, why, that's why you have your own TV show, <laughs> yeah, that's why. and I was stuck here doing a podcast. Now, I, I said, will we have to get you on because Gruen Nation uh, is new. It's a new thing that we need mm. to talk about, and first episode was on last Wednesday night. Uh, firstly, I like it a lot more than the uh, Gruen transfer. I think we should keep the Gruen Nation and chuck the Gruen transfer in the bin. Wow. Yeah, wow. I know. Harsh, harsh. There's like not that much to talk about. Politics yeah. every wow, week. That's a, it's, a little, it's a little, like, you know, it's like saying, you know, I, I like your new girlfriend, but that other one you had for 10 years, she's rubbish. We all hated her. Why didn't you mention it beforehand? <laughs> you're, only, yeah. you're only meant to have one girlfriend at a time, Will, though. I think that, that <laughs> analogy falls down a little. Oh, right. Yeah, well, I only do have one TV show at a time. Like, it, we, this one's changed. Yeah, it used to be Grown Transfer. Okay. And now it's Grown Nation. It's like, it's the TV version of a Transformer. I it's think, become I, a new can, thing. I actually we can, think, We can Will, your old girlfriend, though. I, I, I just want to clear this. This is like, no, I, think, I, think, I think Will's analogy is wrong. It's more like saying, <laughs> it's more like saying, I really like your wife. She's so much better than your fiancé. Right. You but, see? But wouldn't, your, wouldn't your fiance and your wife be like the same person? Isn't the Gruen Transfer and the Gruen Nation essentially the same show? <laughs> well, I guess technically <laughs> it is. I mean, you have seen through our elaborate ruse. We've changed the name. <laughs> and it is longer. But yes, it is essentially the same show. And Let's be honest. It's I, just the same show, but about like political ads, not like other ads. And, and I have to say, I, th- I think that's, that's why I like... I mean, I'm, I'm an advertising junkie and a marketing junkie, but a political junkie a little bit more... And so it, it speaks to me more. When I say chuck the Gruen transfer in the bin, what I actually mean is I'm really glad you're doing the Gruen Nation because I think it's, a, it's a, an interesting take on political television that we haven't seen in this country. Uh, well, why didn't you say that the first time, mate? And, like, you know, not insult me about my other show. Yeah, you could have, like, said something nice. That, that version you just said then sounded really nice. Yeah, I felt rude. really complimented by that. Jo- Josh was rude about both your show and your wife. I mean, I, that's, that's a bad, it's I a bad didn't, double. I didn't want to. I, I, I didn't want to sound like this I was, was a terrible interview. It's got horrible. <laughs> I just, I didn't want to sound like I was buttering Will up. You know, I didn't, well, you, you certainly achieved that. <laughs> I didn't want it to sound like a soft interview. I wanted to be like, you know, more like Neil Mitchell. Like, <laughs> you want you to know, be like Neil Mitchell? I woke up this morning thinking, you know, my dream is to be like Neil Mitchell. Well, who rates better? Who rates better, John? I'm sure our podcast rates better than his. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what? I don't want this to be like a Neil Mitchell interview. I want this to be like one of those, you know, flirt pieces they have on 60 Minutes. <laughs> like I was, just, I was expecting the Josh that you were going to be Tara Brown, and you know, you just make little giggly small talk with me and talk about how wonderful my career was. <laughs> okay, so now we're even. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, that's that's what I thought. What watching the the Gruen Nation on on. Uh, Wednesday night, and when I say on Wednesday night, I mean on Saturday, Sunday when I finally got around to, to watching it on the. You didn't watch it live. I, I didn't. I didn't have a chance to watch it live. So much had changed. I wanted to it's such s- a moving. I wanted to save it and and watch it 
with full concentration, which I was able to oh, do. We'd had like six leaks between you watching it and the, the original broadcast of it. Yeah, but we? they weren't covered on the Gruen Nation, so you, it doesn't matter. You know who'd know more about the Gruen Nation? Will Anderson. I've got him on the phone now. Hi, oh. Will. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I was just sitting back and letting you guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, mate, I, I want to know, when uh, when the Gruen Nation was, was announced, obviously there, there was a, a lot of uh, talk that you had about wanting to do something a little bit different during the election and there was, uh, there was an opportunity to do that, but how much did you have to uh, fight with, uh, with uh, production and with the ABC to, to get it going? Actually, you know what? It's been remarkably supportive, to be honest. Like, I mean, obviously they're a little nervous, but I think that, you know, um, in the same way as, you know, Catherine Devaney took some heat off me at the Logies, um, <laughs> the Jason tends to take some heat off us on a Wednesday night. So, you know, we, we kind of, uh, you know, we, we tend to, like, go with a bit of a distraction, and um, we only managed to get one complaint on Wednesday night, which was uh, uh, from somebody who just didn't like John Hewson. So that's not really a complaint about the show, to be honest. <laughs> that's just a personal Because I was going to ask if you can have John Hewson on every week, because he was fantastic. Okay, Josh, well, we weren't going to, but because you've asked, we're going to have him on every week. Sweet. Thank you so yeah. much for that. I, I really well, appreciate I, Okay, that. technically, we are having exactly the same panel on every week of the election. But but still, we are having John Hewson on every week, so Good, it's going to be fun. Because he, he was excellent, and he brought uh, that bit of... Uh, of credibility that no other show has because you've got someone who has gone through this process and, and we don't get that usually in the lead up to I the mean, election we only get that on election night yeah no i look i i, I re- was really happy when we got john because we kind of we wanted a real i guess we wanted uh, two sort of heavy hitters and so like we yeah obviously we got neil lawrence who had run the kevin 07 campaign and had a lot of experience about how how it all works and we wanted to get someone from the other side of politics that um you know kind of carried the same sort of weight you know had been there and done that and so when john agreed to do it we were all really excited about it because you know he's, he's a pretty forthright speaker and he, and he he isn't afraid to tell a story from on the uh, on the on the trail and that sort of thing but i think the thing that surprised us all was how funny he is like he's actually got a really warm and sort of generous sense of humor that i guess he's never had an opportunity before on any of the other shows that they invite him on to to express so i think over the next three weeks as he relaxes into it too i think he's really going to uh um he'll probably be like you know some of the real takeaway highlights of the program well how much more is he going to relax because one of the first things that he says is he just you know calls bullshit on bullshit like that was so impressive no yeah, it's a good point. Actually, yeah, no, we, he may not want to relax much more than that. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, he might get into the Kevin Rudd rat effort territory and then, you know, that's going to be a bit nasty. But no, he's like, I, I just think that he has this uh, invaluable experience. And I also think that he kind of is almost one of the, the last people who ran like a real campaign like you know the reason that campaigns have sort of become what they are these highly staged managed stepford wife type you know uh campaigns that we're seeing at the moment is because john hewson lost an unlosable election by saying that he would only make positive ads for the television and went round on the back of a truck to massive rallies trying to sell the gst to people and you know uh it's 
it's, it's just a style of campaigning that we don't really see anymore in Australia. So I think it's, it's really nicely juxtaposed with sort of, you know, what this sort of horrible soulless campaign has become. Well, and, and it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you saw on Monday morning on Sunrise on Channel 7, they had uh, the uh, leader of the Australian Sex Party and leader of Family First on uh, Sunrise having a 10-minute debate. And, and then took a poll. Oh, I don't know if they, did they take a poll. Yeah, I didn't, of, I didn't see the poll. viewers. Uh, but they they had a, a a ten minute debate, and it was two candidates who actually passionately believed in something, talking about what they passionately that, that believed was different in. to each other. That, that was actually different yeah. to each other, and and it reminded me so much of that uh, Houston Keating uh, snippet that you had on uh, on the show on Wednesday. It was uh, it was exactly that kind of campaigning, and it was exactly what you were talking about. Uh, that that we just don't have. Yeah, well, I think it's like it, it's become so stage managed, and I know the, the the example you were talking about because I've realised what I've started to do in the last couple of years is become one of those people who yells at the television. <laughs> and while I was watching that sunrise debate, I was yelling at the television over and over again. And I think I may actually vote for the Australian Sex Party after watching that. But I. Um, I, I'd like to see more of that. I mean, I think that, that we should be demanding it as a society, to be honest. Like, the idea that we have, like, one debate, you know, and it's such a stage-managed sort of, you know, affair is just... I think it's like, I mean, it's an insult to democracy, really. I think, you know, as a society, we should put together, you know, topics that are actually really important to people, whatever they would be. Maybe it's like, you know, it's like health or it's like, you know, housing prices or whatever the big issues for people are. And they should have a series of debates on each of those topics, like just one topic per debate. And people should actually be able to see what their leaders think. But instead, they've just got to stay on message now, you know, like everything's about, you know, moving forward or being dead, buried and cremated or, you know, the, the, the big new tax. And, and it's just parroting of these, like, you know, you know, mindless uh, focus group catchphrases and, and no one's actually saying anything. So, Will, do you think after today's declaration from uh, Julia Gillard that, so she's, Monday's, Monday's she's, declaration. Uh, that she's dumping the uh, the pollsters and, and actually going to be more of herself on the campaign trail, that that's going to change things up a lot? Uh, no. Uh, well, I'm hoping it does. But, you know, like, did you ever remember, it was a, and I can't remember what the name of the movie was, but, uh, Josh, you might remember this. It was a Judd Nelson film where he played a lawyer called Stormy Weathers. Was it After Hours? No. Yeah, uh, uh, no, no, it was... After, after Hours is a Martin Scorsese film with the... Uh, yeah. I, anyway, it, like it's like it's like a bad sort of '80s film, but like Judd Nelson plays this young idealistic lawyer who's oh, like no, from, you know, from the hip, from the hip. Yeah, yeah. from the hip, right? And he played a, a character I think called Stormy Weathers. And th- there was a point where they were like, "You've got to let Stormy Weathers be Stormy Weathers." <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I could think of today when like Julia was like, "I'm going to be the real Julia." And you wonder if. She is really saying that, like if that is her, uh, like you know, let's go out there and I'll be the real Julia, or if somebody behind the scenes. Yeah, it, it, has... it feels like a room of people. Is it saying, oh, the fake Julia hasn't worked? Do us a different mm. fake Julia, Julia. I, I wish, I wish she had come out and said and said, well, uh, people have wanted me to be the real Julia. I much prefer to be Rao Julia. <laughs> That's for last week. She'll be doing the old Julia for the last week for the campaign. Uh, I'd like it to see her release a single with a real uh, Julia Gillard. Please stand up. Um, uh, maybe like she could actually go, yeah, go on tour with all those uh, the women who are doing impressions of her. You know the Gabby Milgates and such of the world, and people who try to identify who the real Julia Gillard is. 
Um, but no, I think it, it just struck me as, like, I, I still worry that this is just a marketing angle, you know? That being the real jewel here is a marketing angle. You know, it reminds me of that old Bill Hicks routine, you know? Very smart, Bill, going for the anti-marketing market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going for that anti-marketing No, dollar. but seriously, kill yeah. yourselves. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> one thing that, and, you know, I, I keep going on about how much I like your show, and I really do like your show. I like your other show, too. I just think this one's better. Too late. Uh, <laughs> Too late, Josh. Yeah. Too late. Uh, but what, one of the things I like about it is, is that it does, uh, it does pick the politicians up on the crap that they're spinning, where, which is something that the chaser used to do, but I think now because they become so well-known for their stunts, maybe they can't do it at, at the moment. But what they did on, uh, on Wednesday night... Uh, with Julie Bishop especially, which was funny, but not funny because the Chaser people were doing it, but funny because Julie Bishop was really funny doing it. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. We, we try to, like, I mean, our attitude to it is that, like, it's a policy-free zone. Yep. Like, you know, so we we kind of, we don't care about what they're saying. We're talking about how they're saying it or why they're saying it or the way they're presenting themselves. And when we have our meetings about the show and, and uh, you know, and we're trying to plan what we're doing, that's what we always come back to. So we want to know, like, less about, hey, who's leaking these things and more about if you're in a campaign room and suddenly, you know, someone's leaking, you know, what goes on in the campaign room? What ads are you putting out? When do you go to the attack ads? When do you go to... And it gives... Even you mentioned the Julie Bishop thing, which is really interesting. Like, on the show, uh, this week, we're going to talk about when uh, politicians appear on shows. You know, so like, you know, your Joe Hockey on like, uh, on um, talking about migration or uh, like Peter Costello doing the Macarena or Bob Hawke on Comedy Company. And, and we're going to go through some of those things. And we've got some uh, great footage of uh, George W. Bush on Deal or No Deal in the States uh, oh, that really? we're going to play as well. So, and, um, yeah. and Bill Clinton did the saxophone on uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and so, like, what we like to know is, you know, what's the value of that? Like, what is the value of Julia Bishop going on The Chaser? Is that, like, something that, that does win your votes? Is it something that, like, you know, what's the kind of motivation behind that sort of thing? So I guess that's what we always tend to um, look at. You know, we're not really interested in, in the politics of it. We're not really interested in... It. We're just interested in how they're saying sort of message they're trying to get across. On that, Will, though, are there questions of balance? Like, does the ABC have rules that, that you have to have a certain amount of... Like, like if you have a go at a, a, a Liberal, do you have to have a go at a Labor uh, member as well? Is there anything, anything like that they, they have an oversight on? Um, look, it, 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 I think they are, are nervous about that. But, like, I mean, we were talking about... I was talking about it with Andrew Denton, and he's, he kind of said the proudest thing he thought about the first episode was that everybody kind of thought it was balanced. And we kind of approach it like that. But I think we're just lucky in this election that they're both doing such a shit job. <laughs> and they are both so rubbish. And they are both pretty much exactly the same. So, you know, you don't actually feel any sympathy or any particular position one way or the other. So it actually gives you a bit of freedom to kind of, you know, take the piss out of uh, both of them evenly. But we are a little worried, I think, on the show, um, uh, in the pitch segment um, this week, it's, it, we're doing fear ads. And so we set each team, like one does a fear ad about the ALP and one does a fear ad about the Liberal Party. And the fear ad about the ALP is probably the best ad I reckon anyone's ever made for the pitch on our show. And it is so effective that I, I, I when Andrew Denton and I were watching it, I turned to Andrew and I said, 
This isn't the ad that's going to get Tony Abbott elected. (laughs) 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 Because the irony would be, if we got Tony Abbott elected, then he would, like, we'd be the first show he'd probably cancel. So So there is a bit of, uh, you know, self-protection in there. Because that that was the great thing about Last Week as well. That Tony Abbott ad gave me chills. I thought thought the, the work that they did on the pitch last week was... Uh, something really special that we haven't seen from the pitch for for uh, quite a while. No, I agree. Like, and we we were really conscious about it when we went into the show. We like we just we. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like it's such a small show in some ways. Gruen, like I've worked on most of the other things I've ever worked on. I've had so many more people who work on them. Like, but essentially, the structure of how we do it is there's a couple of really great researchers who work on the show and. And, and they work with a guy called John Casimir, who uh, is a former uh, yeah, journalist, but he wrote with Andrew on Enough Rope, and, and he's just a, like a, an absolute genius. And so they kind of work together on, you know, like broad areas that we might talk about. But then basically all that happens is uh, that we get into a room, Andrew, John, myself, and, and a couple of researchers, and we watch a bunch of ads, and we all sit around and just go, hey, what do you think about this? And what issue comes out of this? And we, you really just sit around for like a couple of hours and, and discuss things the way that you would discuss them. And, and then you come in the next day and John has made that into the most amazing <laughs> script and show. And you're like, wow, oh, that's, that's brilliant. I've really just given you the mystery box and you have made that into an <laughs> awesome meal. Well, that's, that also brings us to, you know, congratulations, because you have the highest ratings for an Australian TV show since the MasterChef finale. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, huh? Like, I, I don't know what that says about... I just was saying to someone the other day, uh, they were asking me about, like, you know, some show that they were pitching, and they said, oh, you know, what do people want? And I said, oh, I don't know. I'm doing a show about advertising, like advertising on the ABC for a start and then it's also about politics and it was like the most watched ABC show in the last three years I have no idea why people are watching this show don't ask me it makes no sense at all last week everybody likes watching people cook like you know it makes no sense to me at all but I'm like it's 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 cool like I you know I've done plenty of things in the past that I thought were were good that that you know, no one watched. Um, so occasionally, when you you are lucky enough that you do something that you think's okay, that people tune into, I, I think you just take it. Well, I, I uh, speaking for myself, I, I'm really looking forward to the next three weeks of Gruination, which is on at. Uh, at nine o'clock Wednesday night, as 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 always. If you tune in for the transfer, it's the same place, same time. It just goes longer. That's and that's that's a great thing in itself. Plus, it's available on iView on ABC. And will you're at the same time doing your own podcast called Tofop or Thirty Odd Foot of Pod? Yes, which, yes. Uh, um, me and my friend Charlie Corson. It's it's lo-fi and lowbrow. Is it's fair to say? Um, uh, it's one of those things that we recorded one backstage at Splendor in the Grass on on the uh, the other weekend and. Uh, um, we were going to talk about, you know, being backstage at a rock festival and it pretty much turned into a conversation about if you were in prison on the first day, would you fight someone or have sex with someone? So that's the kind of quality material that you will hear on our podcast. It's, it, it's, it's not necessarily for massive fans of the crew and transfer and the highbrow work that we're doing there. It's kind of at the other end of the spectrum, but we kind of really enjoy doing it, so it's fun. Well, I, I think it's important for people to be able to run the gamut of Will Anderson. 
Yeah, definitely. If you, if you go, I like that Gruen transfer, but I'd really prefer if I could just listen to some tinny audio that was recorded in somebody's bedroom, uh, then there is somewhere you can do that. No fault. <laughs> Thanks so much, Will. We look forward to uh, coming out and pointing at you in a year's time. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. Hi, I'm Josie Pirelli from Chart Busting 80s, and you're listening to the guys on Box Cutters. And now it's time to welcome to the Box Cutters microphones Leslie Carrara Rudolph and Kevin Clash from Sesame Street and other puppetry areas. Welcome so much to Box Cutters. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's, uh, welcome so much. That's the English that I speak. It's good. It's good. Uh, we have spoken to, or I've spoken to, uh, uh, executive producer of uh, of Sesame Street on this program before, and uh, and talked a lot about the history of Sesame Street. But I wanted to find out from the two of you uh, when you first pick up your characters, because Leslie, you've got Abby Cadabby, and as, I also don't know the lingo. Do, do you say you play Abby Cadabby? You are your hand is inside of. Performers, but you perform. But we, Kevin, we you perform the character. You perform Elmo. Yeah, because okay. normally, you, because of the confusion, you know, a lot of times they say we're the voice of uh, Elmo or the voice of Abby, but we're the performers. Because you, you're also yeah. the mouth and the hands and we're the, with the, yeah, we're the performers and the shaking. And Fra- the, Frank yeah. Oz, I think, gets quite angry about that, doesn't he? Frank Oz gets annoyed when people say he voices. One of the characters. Well, yeah, because we're not voiceover. We're we're, we're performers. We're you know we we perform the characters. We're puppeteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so when you're pretending to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, when when you first perform uh, the characters that you're now so well known for, Abby Cadabby and Elmo, Kevin, yeah. uh, when when you first pick them up, how do you uh, how do you work out what their character is? Is it is it taken from just the way they look, or they're written down a certain way, and you just it could just be play a totally a bunch of different ways. Um, they could be a design, something that was drawn, or uh, you know, in my case, uh, Elmo was uh, was built already. The puppet was already built, and one of the one of the writers of uh, Sesame Street uh, liked the character and started writing into his scripts, mm-hmm. and the producers um, liked the character. So that's how it all evolved with Elmo. So do you but, get, I mean, you know, it could be a design. It could be, you know, I mean, I, I sat down with Jim Henson once uh, f- um, with a new show, and he wanted to create a character for me. So Kirk Thatcher, who was a wonderful uh, designer and writer, he helped design the characters for um, Dinosaurs, and he wrote for um, Jim Henson Hour and different different projects and stuff. He uh, had some designs for that character, and they they let me collaborate, you know, to a certain extent with him. So do they give you character notes? Like, do you get told this character has to be perky or angry or anything like that? Or is it for you to find some of that yourself? Well, I mean, in the case of Elmo, again, it was... Um, the character was already established on the show. Um, Richard Hunt, who originated uh, Gladys the Cow and and uh, some other characters on Sesame Street. And Muppet Show, he did Scooter and, and one of the old guys in the balcony and... And Sweetums, um, he performed Elmo first, and it was supposed to be just a you know three and a half year old. It just uh, with the games that he played, that's how he would learn. And so there was kind of a Bible already on Elmo before I got him. 
Yeah. And Leslie, with the a- Abby Kadabi, who is a, a brand new character. Well, now she's been around for three, three years, four, four years on Sesame Street. Yeah, Kevin can probably tell you the origin, but for me, they had well, they had like a. So they already had a Bible for you as well. Well, actually, yeah, it was uh, yeah we uh, um, a phenomenal writer who started with the show Tony Geis, um, who who actually originated. He he's the one who wrote uh, uh, Elmo's theme, uh, Elmo's world. Mm-hmm. He, he created. Um, Tony came up with um, Abby Cadabby, the name and and uh, you know furry and training and stuff and and we actually sat around, which we normally don't do this, but. Um, we we wanted to to to, uh, to create a new female character for the show and and um, products were saying that they it would be nice to have a, a a pink muppet you know what was really nice is a lot of times it doesn't work you know when you but but for this it really it really worked publishing and all of the different departments sat together and talked about you know how this character would what you know what direction. And, uh, you know, we had some sketches and stuff like that. So we, sprain- we brainstormed together so everybody could get something from that character. And fortunately, it worked out. And I, I, think, uh, I, I think that she uh, brings to Sesame Street something that uh, maybe the show had, had strayed from a little bit, which is the adult humor that's, uh, that's in the show as well. And uh, I think Abby's hilarious. She's well, the thing is, we've always with with all the Muppets, they, they always had. We, you'll get your we, chance, like you'll get your no, chance to do it. What's funny is, no, this is this is a first. This is actually a first for her. No, what 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 happened with with Leslie is what was really wild is, is the fact that um, and she could tell you this too, is um, you know, I had called her about um, about auditioning for um, for Abby, and so, I mean, it was like. She, you could tell them about it. You, you really, you, you didn't know if you really wanted to come and audition or not. Oh, I did. I what what happened was is that um, a couple people called me and they said, "There's a fairy," and Sabby Cabby. And I, I mean, I love fairies and I love characters. I mean, I love characters. And I, I was doing another show that was a sprite, and um, but she, she's a little older. You know, yeah, and um, and Kevin called me, and I was doing a, a Christmas show with this puppet that I do called Lolly, which is a sock puppet. If Madam and um, Lamb Chop had a baby, it'd be Lolly. <laughs> and Kevin's like, "This, this is this is fairy. This is you. This." I, and I was like, "Well, Kevin, I'm working in this theater, and I don't want to let him down. I have this Christmas show." And he goes, "You're crazy." <laughs> and I thought about, it. I'm like, "Oh yeah, my cause, gosh!" Because I like I, I know a lot of puppeteers, and none of them want to work on Sesame Street. No, yeah, no yeah, it was you know what? Let's go Honestly, it has yeah. nothing to do with it. I, I was I was worried about this theater, and the theater said, "You're kidding me. This is your dream. You have to do it." Now I must have been. It was hot. I was in the car. I don't know. I was speaking about. <laughs> but for me, when I I looked at Abby and and what they did is they had auditions all over and they sent sides of what they what the character was why like I said I take characters very seriously and um you know she's from Fairyside Queens and I I love the whole culture and to me she's like Daffy Duck meets Gracie Allen she has her own way of looking at the world and then like Kevin knows it's like you put your heart in your hand 
And for me, she just, when I finally had that puppet on and we went to the callbacks and I got to see her for the first time and this little energy just started coming through like, well, I live with gnomes and I, you know, I have a pet squirrel named Doyle. And it's just like, she just had this little energy and she was excited about learning. And um, so I really, it was just magical. And then with Kevin... Like, you just have a chemistry that is kind of rare. And I think that um, with Sesame Street, it is. It's like all the performers there, they, they, they're they all heart and joy and goofiness. And there's this chemistry that happens between that also informs how you react to the world and react with your fellow performers. Well, and, and it's the first time that... Because uh, John and I both watched that sketch uh, where... Uh, Abigail starts showing some of her uh, uh, some of her magic to Elmo and shows the disappearing and reappearing and then turns the mailbox into a pumpkin, uh, which then leads into one of the greatest visual gags I've seen in a long Phenomenal time. Phenomenal work. But it's it's the first time that Elmo has been in a position where he's the straight man in in a situation. No, I, I, actually, with Zoe, it, it's happened too with with Rocco. Okay. Uh, it's shown, you know, a side of Elmo where he gets irritated about something. <laughs> so, you know, we we you know over the years we've always tried different things and and uh, and and so it's always been fun to play off of uh, other characters that way because then you you can do something different. And so with Abby bringing Abby in, it, it, you know, it, it it does that also. You know, uh, he becomes the foil in certain ways, or you know, instead of Telly being that you know, the one all the time. Yeah. So you know, it, it, because we don't want to char- we don't want the characters to be one dimensional. So by bringing in characters and playing off of each other, we can make them a little bit more three dimensional. You can see a different side to them. The Telly and Elmo and Abby as the knights. Have you seen that episode? No. It's hilarious. They're they're like Monty Python, but four. They're <laughs> just ridiculous, and the timing the the things going over their eyes. It's yeah, wonderful. so it's a lot of fun to play off of each other, totally. So with that evolution then, is it is it a bit, I was going to say, is it a bit all about Eve? Is it a bit, like, <laughs> do you go to the writers and say, you know, my character would never do that, or do you get bored or ask them to do something No, you know, for, the show, for a show that's been on for like 40 years and, and, and a lot of the writers have been there, you know, it, it's wonderful to have a conversation with one of the writers and, and they, they get excited about telling you about a character and and your character, and as they're talking about the idea that they're coming up with, they actually start to, to do the voice because they're so connected with it. Mm-hmm. So the show, you know, has been on for so long, and a lot of the writers, a lot of a lot of, I mean, it's been school for for writers, for directors, for, you know, a lot of us now direct the show. You know, Joey Mazzarino is now the head writer of the show. I met him when he was 15 years old. And brought him in, and, and and he started doing puppets, you know, performing the characters, and then from there he showed that he could write for the characters, and now he's the head writer. So it's it's been a school for so many years for for everybody that they um, they have like this connection to the development of all of the characters. So it, it you know it's been that way for for years and years since I've been on the show. You've both done. Uh puppetry in a lot of other TV shows as as well. Kevin, you, you were the baby. You performed the baby in... Uh, see, I did that. Yeah, that was one of the most well-written shows I've ever worked on. Sure. I did and say, don't bring it up. I, was, I, I said that before. I said, don't mention it. <laughs> no, we it, can Will. talk about anything. It's great. It's, no, uh, I, listen, just, I, I had was, a great time doing that it show. Was a, it, was a big, it was a big show. Not here. 
But it was, I, was, I remember... It was pretty it was, big. It was pretty it was, big. It was pretty Not big the mama yeah. became a bit of a Because when I was, when I was visiting, uh, when I was visiting uh, friends in, in San Diego, and they were just, they would all sit down and watch dinosaurs together. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. And, uh, and that's fantastic. And it was, it was a, a really well, tightly written sitcom. Uh, but well, also, that's the thing. That's the thing that we were really surprised about. It really wasn't. It was. It was unbelievable how. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, well, because because of the fact that 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 we would. It was. It was interesting. The things that we thought would be censored, weren't censored. Yeah. And the things that you know we we thought were not that risque, you know, the network would say something about. So we were really. I mean, we were always kind of confused by that, and we were really surprised about how much we got away with. Which was a lot of fun. Which, which you know, is always because you know when you when you sit down and you talk to to uh, to Frank Frank Oz, he always said what was always wonderful about the Muppets is uh, the, them being rebellious against you know society and everything. They were always different, and so we try to uh, you know as much as we can put that in any Muppets that we do. Be it Sesame Street, Sesame Street is definitely more for children. But we, we, we try to keep that Muppet edge and that rebelliousness as much as possible. That's why a lot of the characters that would develop on the show, um, they all had, um, you know, I, I mean, Elmo, Elmo, you know, of course, plays games and learns from that. But the Count, you know, is obsessed with counting. The Cookie is obsessed with eating cookie. Oscar is obsessed with trash. You know, all of them had this obsession. It's a, that, yeah, uh, it's a psychiatrist's yeah. wet dream. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Unfortunately, they, they, they're supposed to be children, so you don't need to worry about that <laughs> yet. Abby's obsessed with budgies right now and platypus because it's, you know. <laughs> I, I was like throwing in, cer- in certain words, certain yeah. words. Certain Australian words. Whinging. Oh, was it about oh. the uh, budgie smugglers? Oh, yeah, she knows all about them. <laughs> this, morning, this morning she misunderstood. This morning she came into the radio. Elmo, Elmo, I'm here to rescue a budgie. Apparently they're being smuggled somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you later. And the people on the radio show just said, thank you, bye, Abby. <laughs> yeah, they, they politely excused her. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so you both... There's the Gracie Allen in her. <laughs> Well, and that's the wonderfulness about Sesame Street. About you know, we keep everything topical. When we go around and we we make we do appearances, we you know we try to find out things that we you know we can about you know who, who we're being interviewed or or you know or, or what's happening in in where we're at. So that, you know because that's that's the way the characters are created and the show was created in certain ways, keeping a mirror image on what was happening with and what what kids' needs were and. And also, what was what was the the, the craze of, the, of what type of music or what was the top show on at the time? We would do our spoofs on on all of that. But with the uh, with the adult shows with puppets in them, and I'm thinking uh, Clifford on uh, on Muppets Tonight, mm-hmm. uh, dinosaurs. But uh, also, Leslie, you've done uh, you did the the puppet episode of Angel. You worked on that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, why? Well, I, I think I did. I didn't. I don't know. Just, yeah. you think, I can't remember. Uh, according to my researches. I was, re- I was a long time ago, Josh. I can't remember. I was ages ago. Well, we just did, um, in New York, we just, or we, do, we, three years ago, we did Puppet Up. Mm-hmm. Here, did oh. you guys come? Yeah. I was in there. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. You were great. Thank the you. others. Well, no <laughs> one else so they <laughs> And then, um. We did it in uh, New York. We just recently did it. So, I mean, um, I think with Sesame Street, like we said, we walk, we we try to be in touch with what our kids' needs are. And one one thing 
when I was just out here, there was like a dear Abby. Um, <laughs> the kids were asking Abby questions, and I was really happy they were heart questions. You know, like some of them were really tough questions, like what do you feel, what do you do if the girls don't want to play with you and stuff like that. And it's really <laughs> touching. It, and, and they're really difficult questions, but they, you know, some of the interviews I was talking to tomorrow who's with me they were asking these really heartfelt questions of this well and i was telling kelly first of all i'm three (laughs) so that's the disclaimer but even the adults were asking questions and that they felt open enough to you know in touch enough with our characters that people do have a real emotional uh, affection though don't they for I mean, for puppets in general, but for the sesame street ones people have well again the whole sesame street the the you know how it evolved and 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 what it's there for is a very personal thing to to people um and and by it being on for so long it starts with you know you growing up you know watching it and then you become a teenager and you find it again and then you become a parent and you find it again you know and so it it becomes some you know this show stays with you Till you know, you know, even a, as a grandchild, a grandparent, or something mm-hmm. like that, you want you turn it on for your your grandchild. So for something to be around that long, it becomes a part of your life, you know. And uh, and we found that to be de- definitely true with 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 uh, you know the people that we meet of all ages. You know, it's it's really unbelievable. I mean, I get you know we get letters like crazy from from uh, different people. You know, people. Uh, I remember I got one from. Um, a young lady who uh, mom passed away um, dealing with cancer, and and she, she, what got her through the chemo was the Tickle Me Elmo doll, and and she made it very clear that she wanted to uh, to be buried with 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 Tickle Me Elmo, you know. So there's there's this personal thing. I had you know a couple who, who uh, a husband got in touch with me, and and uh, it was it was their tenth anniversary, and um, he sent a letter and and a cover of the Best of Elmo, and said that. Um, that uh, you know, when they had a bad day, they would come home and turn you know and, and put the put the DVD in. I mean, well, it wasn't DVD at the time; it was a VHS. <laughs> but um, you know, and and um, and he wanted me to sign it, happy tenth anniversary, so he could give it to his wife. Wife, so uh, you know, we, there's a personal connection that happens with this show with people that uh, you know makes us very humble. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, and, and the people that we meet and the children that we meet, you know, yeah. constantly. Miss First Lady Michelle Obama knows the fairy hug and the fairy wave. I was <laughs> oh, that's, very excited. That's excellent. Yeah. I made it up. Well, because I wanted to give, you know, kids something. And so I, I made up this thing that when you hug someone, you put wings on their back. Mm-hmm. So it's a fairy hug. Oh. And if you can't hug someone, it's the universal fairy <laughs> way that you have. Well, tell them, tell them how you found out that she uh, she knew the fairy way. Oh, it was good. Well, she had visited our set, and it was hilarious. And we were doing a we were doing an episode about broccoli, but we were calling it um, Abby. Grover couldn't figure out what broccoli was. They was trying to guess what the vegetable was. And finally, Abby goes, it rhymes with schmackly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were saying, say schmackly in all the photos. And as they were leaving, um, Sasha and Malia were there. So I taught them the fairy hug. And as they were leaving, I taught them the fairy wave. And they're, then, they're the first children. Yeah, the right. first children. And then we went to the White House for the Easter egg hunt. And um, they have the lawn, and they do it up, and it's fantastic. Beautiful. And we, we went the day before to rehearse and everything, and we looked out on the on the porch, and 
my husband goes, I think those are the Sasha Malia up there. And I go, oh, well, let me see. And I went like this, and a pair of hands went up. Like this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then later, when they came back um, the next day to meet us, and I said, Sasha Malia. You know, Abby's like, I saw you. Give me the fairy wave. And and first lady goes, that was me. <laughs> like, don't give them credit. I was my fairy wave. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very down there. So, Ke- Kevin, especially Kevin, you also met the first lady during the Bartlett administration as well, did you not? The who? During the West Wing. Elmo went Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. We had a, he was talking it, about it was, that. It was really, really cool. It was really cool. Because what was nice is Lily Tomlin had done the show, and Stocker Channing had actually did a film. That was one of her first things that she did when she got to New York. She did a little little short film for Sesame Street. So it was wonderful to see um, the two of them again. And um, uh, we were talking about Martin Sheen. He was like a little kid. He sat there and he just fell out laughing with the puppets. It was like he was. It was his own personal puppet show. It was. It was really, really wonderful. And and it's wonderful to go on somebody else's set like that. You know, they're used to each other and everything. But they everybody turns into children because again they grew up or they have some association for with this show. So it was wonderful, and and the, and the, I mean, they, you know, real professional, and we had we had a really great time. When, when you did go onto someone else's set, how do you uh, work out the blocking and the uh, the the uh, basically hiding that that it's, needs to go on? There? It really is amazing. I mean, we we, we you know, again, um, there's a lot of conversation that goes back and forth as far as what's needed. Like, you know, we did Scrubs, you know, we so mm. we went to, to their show. So, you know, they they're so excited. That we we tend to you know we start talking about how to to make it work, and when we get there, they have more than what we need. I mean, they 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 really they just throw out the red carpet because they're so excited about seeing their favorite characters. So it always works out, and it's never ever been a, a you know a, a difficulty because everybody's so excited about about seeing each other. And so we spend out. a lot of time like this. <laughs> <laughs> But as long as that, that, that's a bit to, visual for the listeners, but yeah, yeah. Yes. that means as long sitting as that, on the ground. As long as they don't have it, to dig a trench into the seat, right. then I'm, I'm no. sure they're happy with that. No. Well, Kevin Clash and Leslie Carrara Rudolph, thank you so much for joining us on Box Cutters. We, we clearly could sit here and and talk about uh, television puppetry for hours, but they won't let us. But they won't. <laughs> they won't let us. <laughs> the traffic. We have. To, <laughs> we have to get back in our bags. Apparently, that's that's the way that goes. Thanks so much for coming on to Box Cutters. Oh, thanks for having us. And uh, come back to Melbourne again, and uh, and and the microphones are yours. Cool. Excellent. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Twinkle out. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if I mentioned it at the top of the show, but we've got uh, the voices, uh, the people who perform Elmo and Abby. Not just the voices, the whole humans. Yeah, but in, in the, the podcast that you listen to in your head, you probably only got the voices. Yeah. So we've got the voices of the humans who perform. We've got them in the show. Called King Correct. Yeah. They'll, yeah, yeah. they'll, be, they'll be coming up <laughs> earlier.
<laughs> They'll be coming up much earlier in this episode. Oh, now, can oh, I mention when flashback to the intro when we, when we did that interview, which was obviously just, just then and not like last week um, at all. At all, Josh. Not last week when they were in town doing every other, other, bit of other media. yes, as if like not, people not haven't before heard. the seven pm project. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Um, Josh, I think you mentioned one point that they were <laughs> the most famous people we have ever interviewed, and you've in- talked to Will Smith. Yeah, it's not that they because they themselves are not are not. Famous, well, like they're famous amongst yeah, yeah. puppeteers. But Elmo, but Elmo is, is, is the, the most famous person. The most famous yeah. person that I've I've been at a microphone with. Uh, and yes, I have interviewed Will Smith. Hmm. And uh, in in testing this, uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll I'll speak to some people and see what they they say. Uh, most importantly, was my dad, who has never heard of Will Smith, but really knows who Elmo is. Yeah. Some friends of mine apparently used that interview to get cred with their kids. <laughs> they went, yeah, well, our friend met Elmo. Ah, take that, four-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now eat your dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Then they locked them in a basement. That's a, that's a good story. Hmm. If you watch one thing this week, Brett Cropley, what would it be? This week would be ABC2, 9.30 on Tuesday, the 3rd of August. Kicking off from episode one of Deadwood, season one. Oh, excellent. Yes. That's... Um, I believe this is the first time on free-to-air TV in really? this country. Really? This, okay, this is the first time. Yeah, because before it was on, on uh, Show, Showtime. Showtime had Deadwood. They very annoyingly, uh, when Showtime showed it first time around, had two episodes back-to-back, which mm. which is two and a bit hours of of watching... Some very hard hitting, uh, and and at the time there was no IQ or anything, so you couldn't pause it and go and get a break. Mm-hmm. No, it was two hours of Deadwood straight. And uh, why were they burning it off like that? I don't know. Who knows why people do things the way they do? No one. Could say too. If you're thinking of growing a moustache, it's an excellent show to watch. It's like a moustache catalogue. You can just <laughs> kind of you know flip through, going, yeah, maybe I'd like. No, I'm no. Maybe I'll go for that one instead. A lot of moustache action in Deadwood. A, li- a little bit too much kind of spider legs around the lip, which I, I detest well, in a moustache. May- maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you're thinking it through. Maybe you need to see it to make up maybe, your own you mind. Know, Wild Bill, his moustache. <laughs> you don't like it? Get it off my teeth. Get it off my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Hate that, the vet moustaches. <laughs> yeah, now, when you sleep at night and they crawl into your mouth. Yes, yeah. no. <laughs> now I can't look at anyone's mouth. <laughs> John Richards, no, no, but, but if, you were, gonna watch, if uh, you were going to watch one thing this week... I'm just going completely retro because someone pointed out that um, they are repeating the goodies again on ABC2 Monday nights at 8 o'clock, I think, which is two hours later than it really should be. As we all know, it should be at 6 o'clock. That's the traditional home and for the goodies. And on the channel S. And, uh, and I'm curious to know whether it's still got the bits cut out of it that the ABC cut out so many decades so. ago. It's probably I the same copies, so. you reckon? They, oh, they haven't the, got new copies. The the boobs and stuff. Mm. They used to just cut jokes out randomly thinking they were too adult. And so you'd suddenly cut and get this uproarious laughter, much louder than any other laughter in the show. And you'd feel kind of, you'd want to know what was there. But they also cut boobs out. Mm. There are boobs in the goodies. Are there boobs in the goodies? Yeah, yeah. totally really? boobs in the goodies. Yeah. I had no idea. In some of the ads and stuff. Wow. It's weird. Haven't you said it? Not with boobs. No. I, I think I have it. Right. Goodies. I'll, I'll have to loan you my copy. Yeah. Is that just an episode of Goodies with just a hardcore porn cut into it randomly? Because <laughs> that would be, that would be well, weird. It's, it's a little bit like how Kenny Everett had the uh, the hot chocolate dancers. Hot or gossip whatever, dancers. Hot gossip dancers. <laughs> it, it was just so odd in, in a comedy show like that. Especially because we all watch as kids and it always seemed a bit odd going, 
Am I meant to be watching this? I'm not sure. And then Carla in the Brown Hornet. But she was hot. <laughs> she, and, and classy, unlike the, the hot gusset dancers. dancers. Yeah. In the lead up to uh, the upcoming election, I'm going to be watching The Insiders on Sunday morning because these last couple of weeks before the election, Insiders gets really hot and heavy. I think it is just Insiders rather than The Insiders. Oh, I thought it was like The Investigators. No. Or like The Avengers. Just yeah. Insiders. They go out and fight crime. Or The New Adventures of Old Christine. So we're watching Insiders 9 o'clock, ABC 1 on Sunday morning. I would recommend that any week. Well, you can't because this week you've recommended Deadwood. It, uh, it's too late. Put it, put it on your, uh, your season pass and you'll get uh, approximately 46 weeks a year of, of awesome uh, you can't recommend roundups it though. over the week. Brent, you can't recommend it. You can't. Are you wearing jocks? No. Damn no. <laughs> Boxes. I was alarmed. No, I'm alarmed. Are you going to say suffering you jocks? Yes. <laughs> right. I didn't know where you were going with going, it. It worried are you, me. Are you wearing jocks? I he was just supposed underwear. to say yes because that's not blocking, as we say. <laughs> In the uh, so no, I, in the I impro told circuit. you never do theatre sports with Brett. You've in the impro told circuit, this before. blocking. I was going to say, "Are you wearing jocks?" He was going to say, "Yes." I was going to say, "Suffer in them," and then he was going to press the button. That's how it was supposed to work. He could still press the button. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Mm. That's why we call him Wrong Button Cropley. <laughs> oh, no. Do we call him Wrong Button Cropley now? <laughs> I well, missed that member. The boys may call me Wrong Button Cropley. <laughs> but the men will call you Brett. I'll leave it Cropley. Yeah. <laughs> He's referring to human sense. <laughs> <laughs> Can we stop mentioning it? Can we please stop mentioning? I can't wait to do this show. Kids, <laughs> kids listen to this show and they're going to Google it, and then they're going to go, "Mom, <laughs> mom, look what the box cutters oh, made me look yeah, at." Yeah, and it's kids, Googleable. kids also don't Google goatsy. No, that's G O A T S E. Don't Google that. Really, don't. Lemon party. <laughs> Can we get the uh, that guy who used to do the ads, the goatsy mobile? Can we get him on the show to talk about? Doing accents on ads. Probably. He does almost everything else. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 235. Some of it was great. Some of it was filthy. I've already done the thank you. Should I do them again? No, we should just end abruptly. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. (laughs) 